Good afternoon. It's so good to have you tuned in with us as we study God's Word together. If you will, open your Bibles to the book of Lamentations in your Old Testaments. Jeremiah, in this book, the book of Lamentation, looks backwards, looks backward at the fall of Jerusalem and Judah, and he mourns. He mourns over what happened to God's people. The plight of Jerusalem was very sad, and it was sad because the Babylonians had destroyed her. And as a result, all the people who had survived were now filled with great sorrow. We have just recently completed a study of the book of Jeremiah, and we are now in a new study in the book of Ezra. And Lamentations kind of falls in the middle here as we think about the time after the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah, and Israelites have gone into captivity. The book consists actually of five poems that are lamenting over Jerusalem's calamity. But the book is more than simply a cry of complaint, but rather it is an, an enlightening perspective of the calamities which God poured out upon his children. God's covenant people were horrified, horrified at what had transpired. How could Jehovah allow foreigners to enter the beloved city and destroy his sanctuary? Does he not care about us? Will he ever execute justice on our enemies? The book actually affirms God's faithfulness. It affirms God's goodness and God's justice. And so this afternoon, we're going to focus on chapter 1 of the book of Lamentations. Now, prominence on the world stage could not save Jerusalem, nor could it stop Jerusalem from experiencing her bitter end. Jerusalem is also described here in the book as the daughter of Zion. And she was a great city, a great city among the nations. She is described as a princess full of people and and of precious things, with roads leading to great feast. Jerusalem was a majestic city, a strong city. But her prominence and her power and her wealth were taken away from her, leaving her then a lonely widow mourning her affliction. And she wept. She wept bitterly with no one to comfort her. She had become a forced laborer in exile and a city of homelessness with food shortages everywhere. Jerusalem had become a desolate an unclean place. And what it contributed partly to this fall was her misplaced pride, the pride of Jerusalem. If you can recall, Solomon, generations before, spoke how pride, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. Proverbs 11.2, or over in chapter 16, verse 18 in Proverbs, he said, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. 
as descendants of faithful father Abraham and recipients of a covenant relationship with Jehovah, the people of Jerusalem and Judah and Israel failed to listen. They failed to listen to the warnings of God's prophets and went on believing the lie that Jehovah would not execute his severity. And so we're mindful of the similar warning in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, where Paul warns Christians with this, Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. With that said, I would like for us this afternoon to read the first chapter of Lamentations. And so, if you have your Bibles open to our text of this afternoon, we'll begin at verse 1 in our reading of God's Word. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. She's become like a widow who was once great among the nations. She was a princess among the provinces. And she who was a princess has become a forced laborer. She weeps bitterly in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. She has none to comfort her. Among all her lovers, all her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile under affliction and under harsh servitude, and she dwells among the nations. But she has found no rest. All her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of distress. The roads of Zion are in mourning because no one comes to the appointed feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests are groaning. Her virgins are afflicted and she herself is bitter. Her adversaries have become her masters, her enemies prosper, for the Lord has caused her grief because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her little ones have gone away as captives before the adversary. All her majesty has departed from the daughter of Zion. Her princes have become like deer. They have found no pasture, and they have fled, fled without strength before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all her precious things that were from the days of old. When her people fell, fell into the hand of the adversary, and no one helped her. The adversary saw her, they mocked, mocked at her ruin. Jerusalem sinned greatly. Therefore, she has become an unclean thing. All who honored her despise her. Because they have seen her nakedness, even she herself groans and turns away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She did not consider her future. Therefore she has fallen astonishingly. She has no comforter. See, O Lord, my affliction, for the enemy has magnified himself. The adversary has stretched out his hand over all her precious things. For she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, the ones whom you commanded that they should not enter into your congregation. All her people groan 
grown seeking bread. They have given their precious things for food to restore their lives themselves. See, O Lord, and look, for I am despised. Is it nothing to all you who pass this way? Look and see if there is any pain like my pain, which was severely dealt out to me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high he sent fire into my bones, and it prevailed. He has spread a net for my feet. He has turned my back. He has made me desolate, faint all day long. The yoke of my transgressions is bound. By his hand they are knit together. They have come upon my neck. He has made my strength fail. The Lord has given me into the hands of those against whom I am not able to stand. The Lord has rejected all my strong men in my midst. He has called an appointed time against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden. Trodden as in a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes run down with water because far from me is a comforter, one who restores my soul. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands. There is no comfort to her. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that the ones round about him should be his adversaries. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his command. Hear now, all my peoples, and behold my pain. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders perished in the city while they sought food to restore their strength themselves. See, O Lord, for I am in distress. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. In the street the sword slays, in the house it is like death. They have heard that I groan. There is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my calamity, and they are glad that you have done it. Oh, that you would bring the day in which you have proclaimed that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you, and deal with them as you have dealt with me for all my transgressions. For my groans are many, and my heart is faint. Sin... Turn Jerusalem into a place of suffering, death, and ruins. The root of all of Jerusalem's problems was her sin. The very sins from which she refused to repent. Although it is God's hand here who has executed justice, he was not to blame. He was not to blame for their end. It was they who had multiplied transgressions, as verse 5 states. And it is they who became an unclean thing because they had sinned greatly, verse 8. Her transgressions had been tied around her like a yoke. Now, after the fact, 
They recognized that they had been very rebellious in transgressing against God's command, where they state there in verse 18, I have rebelled against his command. But it was not God's fault that they had gone that path. While reveling in her uncleanness, Jerusalem, though, did not consider her latter end. Look at verse 9, where it says, Their uncleanness was in her skirts. She did not consider her future. That is, she did not think about what her future would become as a result of her sin. I am mindful of what Solomon says in Proverbs 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin, sin is a disgrace, is a reproach to any people. It is sin that condemns. It is sin that brought this judgment upon Jerusalem. It is their sin that brought such a bitter end for them that they now lamented their condition. Now, worldly alliances were not dependable, were not reliable for Jerusalem. All of their associations and their connections with other nations that are depicted here in Lamentations are described as Jerusalem's lovers and Jerusalem's friends. But what happened? They turned and they became her enemies. They had dealt treacherously with her, taking advantage of the people, even during their time of great distress. Her lovers deceived her. When she fell into the hands of adversaries, there was no one. There was no one who came to help. None of her lovers, none of her friends came to help her or to comfort her in her grief. But instead, they turned and mocked her. We are told even in, down in verse 8 and verse 12. That those who once honored Jerusalem. What are they doing now? They're despising her. They pass her by and refuse to consider her pain. They refuse to consider what they can do to ease her trouble. They heard her cries. They heard her groans. But comfort was far removed. They actually rejoiced, rejoiced over her calamity. Friendship with the world is never a reliable foundation. It is an unreliable foundation. It is like shifting sand which scatters with the winds and the waves of time. And so whether you're talking about a worldly person or for, my, or for that matter, a nation, the world will malign you. They will turn or malign you because you no longer are supportive of their actions or you're no longer beneficial to them. As we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4, where the apostle warns Christians who come out of the world and are now living their life unto the will of God and how those that they once ran with now malign them because you will not share in their dissipation. I'm mindful of the scene in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And you consider when he took his inheritance and went off out of the world and he was you know, living 
uh, a promiscuous life. We can imagine at that time that the prodigal son had many friends in the world until all his money ran out. And it ran out. Why? It ran out because of his sinful living. And when he found himself in, in great need, what are we told? There was none who helped. So no or none of those former acquaintances helped him with his plight. And how true that is in our world today. Whether you're talking about a nation or you're talking about our own individual lives, alliances in this world are not dependable. They are not reliable And when things get tough, when things get hard, so often they turn against us. But such was the case for Jerusalem because she had multiplied transgressions and she has sinned greatly. And now she suffered the consequence of her own actions. She was reaping what she had sown. But also what's brought out in this chapter is the fact that it was God's hand that administered righteousness. The ruin of Jerusalem, the ruin of Judah occurred because God executed his word. Judah, Jerusalem, they were to blame. They brought it upon themselves. But then God acted accordingly. God kept his word. God kept his promises. And he judged his disobedient children. God had sent many prophets, as we read throughout the Old Testament. He had sent many prophets to his people through the ages. But God's people, God's children, refused to listen. They refused to believe God's warning. And what was the result? The result was an unimaginable judgment. Even the the idea that God's sanctuary, that God's temple in Jerusalem was desecrated by the very people God said would not enter it. An earthly house of God is worthless to him. It is people are not holy. What a lesson that is for us today when you think about God's house today being both his, his church as well as his child. If we are not holy people, we are worthless to him. And he pulls his presence away from us. So Jerusalem's affliction, Jerusalem's servitude, Jerusalem's distress and exile were all because, yes, sin brought it on, but it was because the Lord took action. It was not because God did not care. But rather much more because he did. He cared so much he could not ignore what was going on. He cared so much he could not remain silent. He cared so much he could not act according to his justice. And so yes, God caused Jerusalem's grief and inflicted on her the day of his fierce anger. He sent fire into her bones and prevailed and made her desolate. God made her strength fail and gave her into the hands of those that she could not 
withstand. He trod her down as in a winepress and commanded surrounding nations to be adversaries. Because God is righteous. And God executed righteousness upon his people. The chapter concludes with the idea of once humbled. Once humbled, Jerusalem confesses that God is righteous. Again, there in verse 18, where Jeremiah, speaking on behalf of of Jerusalem, says, The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his command. And so hear now, all peoples, and behold my pain. In verse 20, My heart is overturned within me, for I have been very rebellious. In the street the sword slays, in the house it is like death. Interestingly, at this time of great suffering and distress and death all around, instead of resentment, it appears that through the words of Jeremiah, Jerusalem now is admitting her own fault. And that she understands now that she has received her just recompense. And so therefore, her her last petition in this first lament of chapter 1 is that she appeals now to a righteous God, a righteous Jehovah, and appeals to, to Him for justice. But for justice to be poured out upon her enemies for their wickedness now. And so in verse 21 it says, For they have heard that I groan, and there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my calamity. They are glad that you have done it. Oh, they would bring the day which you have proclaimed, that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me for all of my transgressions. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God as Hebrews 10.31 states. And so yes, this lament cries out to God as you see a heart in a mind that is suffering because of what has been dealt to them. But these are hearts that have been humbled. These, have been, these are hearts that have learned God's lesson the hard way. In Philippians 2, verse 9 through verse 11, we are caused to lift up our eyes and to consider Jesus. Where he says, God has highly exalted Jesus. And he highly exalted him so at the name of Jesus every knee and every, you know, every knee will bow. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is God's desire. It is God's will. That we come to our senses 
before God executes judgment. Sadly, Jerusalem did not listen. For generations upon generations, Jerusalem did not listen to God's message and God's word. And so, yes, righteous Jehovah finally took action. And it was just and it was right. And it was for the goodness of the people that they may learn, repent, and turn back. Sin destroys lives. It was sin that ruined a nation. And it is sin today that is still destroying lives and ruining nations. God is always faithful. He's always true. And he will judge sinners. We have promised that the day of the Lord is like a thief in the night. And when it comes, when it comes unexpectedly, then all will be judged. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account of the life that we lived. And the judgment that's coming in the end is not a judgment simply on earth. It is an eternal judgment of fire and brimstone. Hear the words of this first lament of men and women who suffered the consequences of their sin and, that, and learned, perhaps, for many of them, that lesson too late. Jesus Christ is our salvation. And we want to urge you to consider your life in light of God's righteousness. We want you to consider... The fact that there is a day that he will judge us. And he will judge us in righteousness. But if our end is a bitter end, we'll have no one to blame but ourselves. For God offers us salvation. God offers us forgiveness. God offers us hope. But it's through Jesus Christ, his son. In him is salvation, for there is salvation no other. If you believe Jesus be the Son of God, but you've not submitted your will to His will in obedience, we want to urge you to, to make that decision. To confess your faith before men and to repent of your sin and be baptized into Jesus Christ. If we can assist you to do that, we encourage you to contact us. Let us know how we can help you to begin your life in Christ and with God. But if you are a Christian... And there's sin in your life that you've not repented of, that you've not confessed and prayed to God about. We want to encourage you to do that. Do not delay what you need to do to make your life right with God. If we can assist you any way spiritually, we ask of you to let us know and allow us to assist you in your walk with God. Thank you very much for listening today and studying God's Word. And I now bid you a good day. Thank you.